This is Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online. And no, I am not back. I'm just here in the editing booth, letting you, the listener, know that our guest's microphone is going to be a bit uh, wonky for the first few minutes of the episode. It does get fixed. It is much smoother on the ears after about eight minutes in. So if that's the thing that really grates on your nerves, skip forward a bit. Otherwise, just a heads up, it will improve as the show goes on. All right, off to you, Silver. Hey, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Silver Suspiria fed up, and you're watching Talking Station's Midweek Show. With me today is Edmund Jean of ISK Industries. Welcome. Hello. And our guest today is Murray Rothbardo of Brand New Bros. Thank you for having me. This is Veil of the Violent Part 3, our uh, in-depth series look at the region of Veil of the Silent. Uh, one of the most interesting and active regions, in my opinion, in the game at the moment. Uh, a lot of fantastic things going on there. If you are bored, take a Yeet Fleet, find a wormhole, go up there and party because there's always something going on. Is that right, Murray? Yeah, that's right. I love it. Um, so, Murray... Uh, you're with Brand New Bros, who has just made the move to the region. Uh, previously, uh, you were part of Legacy Coalition down south. It's a pretty huge move. But why don't we start with you? Uh, how did you get your start, Neve? How long have you been playing? Uh, and, and what do you like to do? Yeah, sure. So I've been playing Eve for a little over two years at this point. I actually started out in Brand New Bros there for about a year and a half. Uh I found out I really liked solo PvP, a lot of kind of small gang, different stuff. And as I started getting into different forms of content, I realized it was really hard to get to that content from where I was in Esoteria. So about eight months ago, I decided to pack up shop and I moved over and joined Unspoken Alliance back when they were in Cash. I fought with them there for a bit before we got pushed out and ended up taking space in Tribute. So I've actually been up in the Tribute Vale area pretty much since it kind of got opened up. And once brand new, I heard Brand New Bros was moving out of Legacy and into the region, I decided to switch back over to Brand New Bros to give them a bit of help with FCing and kind of getting their foot in the door in the area. I got you. Right. Okay. So now I remember you were you were in the region already. Um, were you there when, when Fed Up was there and we were fighting you? Yeah, I was FCing most of the rote and unspoken fleets that you guys fought. We totally did not steal your doctrine of the sacrilege. And maybe we can talk a little bit about that because uh, that was such a crazy thing that we had not run into before. Uh, you have this doctrine, I guess, post-missile, or you've been flying that before the missile before. Heavy missile upgrade yeah the buff was nice it before. wasn't needed so basically it's an armor hack doctrine with a mid full of ecm and if you got the jump on us specific ecm that's not technically correct um so yes it has three e1 mids we don't always use jams the power of the not sacrilege sure. is is that I can take a very small fleet size where I only have a couple of sacrileges and a couple of and I can tailor the E-War very specifically to make sure that I can do what I need to do in a specific fight. So if I only have three Zarms, maybe I focus on making sure that I'm mitigating damage via sensor damps, via tracking disruptors, stuff like that. But the power of the Doctrine isn't just that it has ECM. The power is really that it's super flexible, where if you have a lot of good pilots who know how to apply that E-War effectively to enemy ships, you can really maximize your individual pilot uh, That is absolutely true. Ship. And uh, you know, we fly them now as a Doctrine, and it really shows the power of an armor boat right? for a smaller gang who may be missing all those utility ships you would otherwise need in a shield doctrine, um, who has all its mids full of tank, right? It really helps multiply your force quite often. And I just wanted to spend a little time on that because we were so impressed fighting you guys 
and those things. <laughs> we tried everything to mitigate your E-War, uh, and nothing really seemed to work out great, um, but fantastic. I'm surprised how uh, effective jams are, especially after, well, it's, it's been years now, but the, they sort of fell out of favor, especially in that kind of PvP. Uh, they are more effective than you think, man. Like, But he was saying uh, that it's just not just ECM, but on that boat, if you have good ECM skills, your optimal range is about 40 kilometers. And they land quite often, more often than you think, enough to disrupt um cap chaining of your logi or just throw people off their game for a second like it, it was quite effective and still is quite effective for us especially in the day of triggs i imagine yeah i mean like he said though you if you know what you're fighting and we carry now i'm sure you did too uh maria uh, all kinds of refits and a and a mobile depot on each ship so if we see you know what's coming we just go to a safe drop some mobile depots refit as according and go in it's it's really ridiculous, to be honest. You get time to do something like that? That sounds like a hell of a lot of coordination. Not, not every time, but sometimes. Mobile Depot, because one of the magic things about living in Valen Tribute is I pretty much never have to go anywhere to get a fight. So I just fit whatever you are I need on in my Fortizar and then yeah, walk five I've jumps to where I'm going. Uh, all over the place. <laughs> like I, I went up to your region and fought with uh, Lord Servant in exactly that comp uh, just the other night. Um, took a, a Thera hole up there and brought all the refits we, we would need because we didn't quite know what we were going to face. And that fight went extremely well for us. We fought uh, Fraternity Munins, and those poor Munins didn't really go well for them. Anyway, I digress. Back to you, Murray. Uh, like, so you were up in the, the region already when brand new bros went up there. Uh, talk to me a little bit more about why you chose to make the switch over yeah, so like I said, I started with them. Um, I was in Brand New Bros for a year and a half. They taught me a ton of the stuff that I learned about EVE. Well, I didn't start PV, uh, start FCing really until I was in Unspoken. So like I was saying, um, Brand New Bros was really great for me getting started into the game. Um, and so like, I always loved that group of guys. The only reason I left and it took me a long time to leave was because I quite literally couldn't find content in Esoteria. I was just bored out of my mind, essentially. Um, I couldn't actually force fights with anybody to the West because period basis is nipped and I couldn't actually force anyone to fight to the East because fraternity is AUTZ and I'm USTZ. Yeah, so let's talk about that region a little bit. So Esoteria, if you guys know, is all the way down south and like southwest if you're looking at the map flat, as it were. Um, and Test has sort of made that pretty well isolated, right, on purpose. That whole legacy space is widespread. It's got buffers and then post-Fraternity War even. Now, even all the way to the east, there's really nothing until you get all the way up to like maybe Scalding Pass, right? Yeah, pretty much. And then and to the other the other direction, uh, west, you got goons, <laughs> which, like you said, uh, their their space is nipped, so you can't go over there and like toast an eye hub or shoot a structure in order to pull them out, right? Yeah, it's very difficult to get any sort of kind of mid-tier subcap fight because if you go into the home region of delve you just get dropped that's kind of the end of it yeah i totally feel the pain living there now um we've actually been utilizing wormholes a lot uh post wormhole buff i guess you could get a lot of places now inside the wormhole system but so yeah the content was rough and and decided to go to where the content is hot yeah especially because i mean i like using caps i'll throw them around on occasion if it's fun but i really i think there's a lot more to play with in subcaps and especially when i'm kind of doing a lot of the theory crafting that i do i find that it's a lot more fun to play around with different subcap options than capitals true so you're into theory crafting other than the sacrileges any secrets you want to divulge what's your latest project uh Latest projects are still under wraps, I'll say. Uh, you did you did get to see my armor nightmares at one point, but we took them against a 
fleet that was far too large and got bonked because we didn't have enough Lodgy. Yeah, that was one of the first engagements with you, I remember. But yeah, no, I've tried some things that are questionable quality, but that's the only way you find out what's good. For sure. The chat is saying, uh, don't tell them about the nano carriers. That could be fun. I mean, they're the same nano carriers anybody else who's being a knucklehead with carriers is using. You slap some overdrives and nanos in the lows, and if things try to tackle you, you run away at 1,200 meters a second. You can get a carrier that fast? Yeah. Sure can, yeah. You can get supers that fast. You can get a Titan close to that fast. Just don't get scrammed. I suppose that's the key element, isn't it? One of the few. It's very easy. Just don't get scrammed and you'll be fine. Okay. Looking at what's uh, some of the newer stuff coming out, I get a feeling that shields are going to make a comeback, possibly. Might have to move Mm. away from your sacrileges. Mm. I mean... Yeah, go ahead, Murray. Tell them why that's not going to be the case. (laughs) Well, I don't know if it won't be the case. I don't see them changing shields so dramatically that shields or armor just becomes dominant in small scale um shield is dominant in large scale and i mean i'm probably not the best person to tell you why that is because i don't actually do large scale fights a lot of it has to do with just when reps land in a rep cycle armor lands at the end so even if you're trying to do fax reps quite often they'll land too late and your ships die anyway um and there's some other problems as well yeah like tie-dye Right, and tie-dye armor reps are very, very tricky because you don't know how to really time it, right? At least in tie-dye, um, if somebody's taking damage, you have shield reps, you just click the button and they're going to land. Um, there's many other reasons, right? Like you, in the small gang, you kind of need the utility. So in our engagements with with, your, with you guys, we were flying shield doctrine with healers, but we didn't have nearly the utility that the enemy armor fleets had, right? We had all our mids filled with tank and sometimes application, but that means we don't have webs, we don't have tracking disruptors, we don't have any of those force multipliers that you sort of need. In a larger scale fleet, you have people that will fill those roles specifically. Like you'll have a wing of Hugens for webs, or you'll have, you know, Lachesis's for tackle. You'll have uh, other pilots dedicated to those um yeah. key roles that you don't have in a small game and once you're running large large scale fleets a lot of the benefits of ewar become somewhat mitigated because when you put 10 tracking disruptors on one guy it's about the same as putting two and in fleets of 150 eagles 150 munins they're still going to have 50 munins that can hit you and that's all you need to make sure that somebody's dead now, I will say, Sword of the Imperium also run those sacrileges with Ewar in the mids uh, in a larger fight we had, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago. And they were tracking, disrupting enemy eagles and seemingly doing it very well. But you're right, it's not nearly as effective as it is on like a 20v20 or 30v30 kind of fight. Yeah, I'm surprised that Asher chose to use those at a large scale. There's a lot of weaknesses about them that just, I don't know how he deals with them at a large scale, that they really aren't an issue at a small scale, but he would have to face. Because Sacrilege Alpha is not very good. No. Uh, one of the drawbacks is sort of anemic on the DPS side too, right? Best you're going to get out of it is like 400 DPS, something like that. Mm-hmm. Is it really that low? Yeah, yeah, because it's an armor boat, right? So the drawback to armor is you can't fill your lows full of damage, right? You need sacrilege. Sacrilege missile DPS is like three sixty, three seventy, but uh, yeah. Um, in terms of what's going on in Vale, at least, uh, it gives me a good opportunity to theorycraft lots of weird stuff like that and try it out, and I enjoy it. That's awesome. What's going on now? So what's brand new Rose up to? What what were they hoping to accomplish by coming up there and how are you helping them? They wanted the content, man. They wanted to come up and just every day have kind of the good fights and different challenges that come with it. Kind of the excitement of doing things on your own. And honestly, they've been getting it for sure. Especially because we've done a very good job of kind of undocking in subcaps to take on whatever's there 
uh, we'll get two or three roaming gangs pretty much every day that come to our space. It's super easy for us to roam to a bunch of other nearby places where there's lots of good content. Um, so pretty much every day we're getting good content that a lot of these guys haven't seen in several years. Yeah, I mean, the content's just so good up there, you know, from a small to medium gang standpoint. So many different groups, like, stirring the pot and stuff. So tell me, like, who are you um, mainly fighting, and have you made friends? Well, so, I mean, I'm still friends with Unspoken, because I was in Unspoken. Um, so, but even then, they still come by, they'll come by our pocket in Nano Gang, which is great practice for the new guys, because Unspoken and Rote both have quite a few very strong small gang PB beers. So it's really good practice for a lot of the guys who are getting used to figuring out how to kite in and out of kind of your group to avoid DPS, how to figure out when there's a good time to dive for tackle, things like that. Um, we've had a few small fights against uh, the fraternity guys to the east. They've either come by the pocket or we went over there. Uh, once I poked the wrong iHub and they brought Fraternity Main, that was exciting. I mean, they brought, you know, 110 dudes and I had 15. So, so much for that. But we got in a few fights there. The only other group we've been fighting consistently has been a test SIG that's actually currently deployed in our, in OBE. So right next door, they've got cloaky campers in our pocket. Um, I don't know if they thought they were going to evict us, but we're still here and... The hot dropping on us seemed to die down a little bit. Interesting. Yeah, they're doing the cloaky camping thing, huh? That's interesting. Yeah, the day we went neutral. <laughs> Is that uh, more to get you comfortable with them so they can do the blops kind of stuff, or or what? I mean, they've been dropping on ratters pretty consistently. They tried to hit our structures, but uh, the Predators SIG, which is the test guys that are hitting us, are mostly EUTZ, and once they realized that our timers were USTZ, uh, they stopped that real quick because it was wasted their time. Yeah. Yeah, so, that, you know, that, that fraternity group is sort of newcomers to the region in the last few weeks, uh, which is interesting because they seem to be much smaller, right? And they seem to be somewhat attached to scum. Do you agree with that assessment? They don't work together, but they haven't shot each other either. So make of that what you will, I guess. There's something going on there, for sure, because they come and defend scum structures, for sure. I personally haven't seen that. That could be true. I haven't really paid that much attention over there. Um, the main thing that, um, like, so far I've when I've gone through the space over there, I've mostly just seen a couple of crabs and maybe they'll undock hurricanes sometimes. But I don't know if that group is necessarily as interested in PVPing as groups in this region tend to be. Um, and I have seen a fair share of bots over there. So if they want to kind of stick around and veil and tribute, it'd be nice if they stepped that up. You're talking about scum. No, scum lords are actually very tenacious. Um, yeah, okay. They don't have a lot of people, but they're mostly EUTZ. And Forsaken Empire and Echo actually tried to evict them several months ago. And scum lords, mostly by themselves, by and large, managed to actually retake most of the space that Forsaken Empire initially took from them. Uh, as far as I can tell, they're not, you know, super elite like doing insane Goran Clade kind of stuff to win. They just go out and make sure that every timer they're there and every time there could be a fight, they're there. And even if they lose half those fights, they end up kind of basically fighting, you know, the insurgent war and taking back all the timers. And they've done a very good job for themselves. I would not want to fight them. If I truly wanted the space, it would be a, a true slog. Gotcha. Edmund, were you going to say something before? I was going to ask a potentially stupid question, but what is it about the veil that, like you said, people typically are a bit more tenacious in that area? What What is it that gives it that reputation? I mean, for the most part, people don't move here unless they're looking for a 
the PvP first and everything else second. You're not going to get fantastic crabbing space because you're in direct range of low sec. And the only two good things about it essentially are there's a bunch of other PvP groups nearby and logistics from Jita is easy. So if you're not looking for either of those two things, you're not really in the right place. There's plenty of safer crabbing space in the world, and there's plenty of places where you could use like supers, and it would go much better for you. Yeah, that proximity to low sex sort of keeps it from being a warm, cozy home for anyone, right? Uh, especially that area of low sex, so close to to Jita, like you mentioned. There's just so much going on there all the time. It's never going to be quiet for you, right? Nope. And you're sort of the transit region to areas further north from there as well. So there's a lot, you know, the supply lines run through there from Jita to the further regions in the north. So there's a lot of contention around the choke points within LOSEC. You mentioned the system of OB and Alvula, two very hotly contested systems. Other gateways up into the north NOSEC region there. It's just never going to be quiet for you. So if you're not there to for action, then like you said, it, probably going to be disappointed yeah not a great place to crab that explains a lot of it so it's it's more to do with the safety of uh if you want to go down the sort of uh, money making route in that area just not practical yeah I mean, great for fighting your... though because it's connected up yeah and don't get me wrong like the small alliances that are there there's enough stuff to do to support yourselves but you're not going to be farming up a titan you know, sticking your works out in the belt, so to speak. I think you'd be surprised, though, really. I see rocks everywhere. Mm, there are very, very few rocks in Tribute and Vale. Yeah, and we've looked for them. Since Trigger Happy uh, sort of half collapsed, um, even they've pretty much stopped, as far as I'm aware, because now they don't have the forces to defend them. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, and and a lot of things. Maybe you could talk about a little bit how the dynamic is shifting there a little bit. With you know, there's a couple of groups that sort of collapsed a little bit in the last few weeks, right? Trigger and um, the other ones up there that used to fight with Fe. Yeah, so I mean, Trigger Happy has been kind of a slow tick down since. December, January, or whenever Kendar uh, decided to go AFK, or step away from the game, I should say. But that's kind of been a long, slow thing. Echo's implosion was a little more sudden. Um, as far as I know, the corpse have pretty much scattered to different places. I know one of them joined Forsaken Empire. I know one or two of them are looking at some other places in Vale, but... For the most part, most of those guys wanted to PvP. I think it's just something with their alliance leadership or however it was going at the top that um, just didn't go well for them. Yeah, that one did come out of the of right field because I just like spoke to Lord Servant on the show about the Iron Coalition, right, FE, with uh, FE and Echo. And then like a day later, Echo was gone. And I'm like, oh, okay, that escalated quickly. But, you know, I don't think that cuts down on the action in the region. You would think that things would die down a little bit. But, uh, you know, then Brand New Bros is there now. And uh, you must get a lot of traveling groups. Like, we're fed up's no longer deployed there. We had to go home for something else that was going on. But if I find a wormhole, I'm coming up there. Uh, you see a lot of foreigners like that? Uh, yeah, we get a lot of wormhole gangs. Um, a decent amount of small gangs, especially from other groups in the areas in the area quote uh unspoken echo few of the other guys will stop through with you know five to twelve guys and see if they can get a fight if we're home we'll give it to them there's been a fair few instances where there's like a wormhole group that will pop out and they'll sit in our staging or like somebody will come with 15 guys and i'll just kind of wave to them on an alt and say i'd love to fight you but we're all up in tino right now so uh come back later and just kind of wave <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we've gotten that treatment before. And then you sort of sit there and whimper and be like, well, how, how long? <laughs> You're like, are you coming home? And we're like, I don't know. We're not dead yet. Yeah. Which, you know, it sucks. But 
It happens from time to time. Have you guys had any uh, fights that have been of note? Like, what's has there been a, like a highlight brawl you've had since you've been with them? I really haven't had too many big, big fights yet. Um, to be perfectly honest, we've spent some stuff that happened in our pocket. There was a tussle between toilet paper and quote and the test guys that we were kind of there watching, but that was an EUTZ. So we only had a couple of guys online at that time. But, I mean, no one's really come for us in big fleets, at least not in a time zone where we would fight them. Like, if you want to show up and ref a structure at 0900, be my guest, but I'm not going to form two dudes to fight you. Right, so how big is uh, Brand New Bros at the moment? Uh, I think we're at our probably somewhat accurate count of like 450 characters at this point. I was yelling at our CEO for, you know, a little while to make sure that he uh, purged all the inactives and probably, you know, lazy spies who joined Brent New Bros for the test intel. And we finally kicked all those. So I think we're down to about 450 characters. That's pretty good. What are, what are some of the goals that uh, Brand New Bros has now that you're up there? Is it to grow and expand a little bit, or are you just after the good fights? Like, what's what's the ambition or the direction? Uh, a lot of it is just, like, we play a game, and we play a game to have fun. So the fights are fun. Uh, the other big thing is that you don't really kind of get better at the game and figure out how the game goes and learn about it if you're kind of sitting in safe space or just doing 200-man fleets. A lot of that knowledge that I talked about kind of learning when I was at Brand New Bros, pretty much all of that came from when I was Roman Delve with just a few other dudes. And, you know, I would learn about hunting. I would learn about engagement profiles. I would learn about how to, you know, pick targets and manually pilot. And I didn't get any of that when I went on the big fleets. So in terms of bringing in new players and teaching them about the game, which at the end of the day is one of the big things that brand new bros does, is having opportunities for those guys to go out and actually learn. And you didn't get those in the middle of a big block in the same way that you get them when you're a small alliance with just a couple of systems and you have all those fights at your disposal. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I talked about this a lot on talking in stations and different shows and on public Discord. I think sort of what the game is experiencing right now is a shift in the way the ecosystem used to work, right? So, like, if you wanted to be a PvE pilot, typically what you would do five, six, or maybe even eight years ago now, uh, you would get yourself into a low-sec corp eventually, right, and sort of cut your teeth, right? build yourself a kill board, join a small gang group, learn how to fly. And then eventually you would catch the eye of a larger group. And then you would get into pandemic Legion after you've gone through their feeder rounds and learned and developed yourself a name um, or test if you wanted to fly with test. But sort of what happened is those bigger groups sort of created their own new bro groups, right? That have direct access that you you don't need to build up a resume. So now if you want to fly with Pandemic Legion, you can just join Pandemic Horde and you're there. You're you're in a big block. You can fly with the big fleets. You'll get routing space. But that sort of creates the 10-year-old new bro, right? The guy that's been playing the game forever, but he knows how to anchor and he knows how to lock a target from his broadcast screen and shoot. But he's missing a lot of those core how to manual pilot your engagement profiles. What does this ship do? How do I counter this? What does that E-War do? So um, one of my favorite parts about Veil of the Violent is all these small groups sort of thriving again and like showing that these small gang things can be fun and you learn and you become a pilot. That does seem to be a recurring theme of people getting, especially in the later years, getting stuck in the massive blocks and you just do the same thing again and again and again, and then you wonder why you're bored. It's because you're not experiencing half of the combat. Yeah, for sure. So I'm loving this talk of like, you know, the small gang. And like even, you know, Fed Up became part of a big block, but we struggle, we strive really to 
continue to provide that smaller gang stuff by taking a few guys and deploying up north for a couple of weeks and just relearning how to do it. And like, honestly, we got beat up pretty good by groups that are used to coming up with newer doctrines, thinking about things and, and staying current. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of that is just because that's all those guys do, right? Unspoken and some of the other groups up there are very tough to fight because you might surprise them once with some weird new doctrine, but as soon as they see it, they've got 10 or 12 guys who all know enough about the game that they can sit down and pick that doctrine apart and tell you five different ways to counter it. And then the second time you bring that doctrine against them, it's not going to be nearly as fun for you because they're going to have those things prepared to fight you because they've got the pilots, they've got the SP, and they've got, the, most importantly, they've got the knowledge to basically bring just the right thing where you you might even look at them and say, oh, we can fight that for sure. We'll crush them. And you come out of that fight saying, why did we not kill any of them? They only had three Lodgy or something like that. And that's what's really fun to me, especially, is if I can get somebody to come fight me and they think they can win, they have it in the bag, and they come away the other end just scratching their head, that's the best feeling to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, someone in the chat said uh, the other good part about the region is that the bigger blocks seem to stay out of it. I mean, like one time you poked the wrong IHUB and you got, you know, fratted. But really you're not seeing, you know, them come down at all and mess with the space or try and push their weight around too much, right? Uh, depends on the block. Um, goons have probably stayed out the most as much as I like to rag on goons, although that's probably just because they're so far away. Um, and the few times they have shown up, they have brought weird things or just like very basic things and kind of gotten smacked and they left. Um, NCPL will stop by sometimes. They've been bat phoned by a few different groups on occasion to come into the area. Um, and then test is probably the slightly most offender, although they don't bring big fleets, uh, several of their SIGs deployed up into the area. So the Black Ops SIG that I mentioned before has been up here for a long time. And then their EUTZ content SIG, I guess, uh, Dino Commando something in German. Yeah, DKS, yeah. <laughs> they were deployed up here for quite a while. Um, they actually evicted one or two groups that were in the area um, before they eventually kind of got pushed out by Trigger Happy, Toilet Paper, and... Um, quote gotcha um yeah i mean test and legacy as you know uh tend to be sig heavy right they're they're big blocks sitting and so the, the way to get content and, and legacy is to sort of like create a pvp sig and like go do your own thing when things are things are slow um you know we're, we're doing that now in the u.s time zone um well that's really good it sounds like the uh, brand new bros actually do do own up to their name. I, I don't know why, but when I first heard of it, for some reason, I got the, got the impression it was some kind of ironic calling themselves brand new bros, whereas it was all uh, bitter old veterans. But it seems like it's not not quite that way. The way we describe it is new bros and new bros sympathizers. So don't get me wrong. We've got a lot of pilots who have been around for quite some time, have high SP, kind of know what they're doing. But what keeps these guys kind of in here outside of, you know, just the regular old friendships and good good times and stuff is they like helping new people learn about the game. They like kind of getting people interested, seeing them grow. It's really fun to listen to some guy on comms who, like, you taught how to, like, set up a gate camp with a bubble with himself, and he's sitting in a thrasher. He goes, I just tackled this, uh, this like, a Razu. What is it? Can I kill it? And you're like... Yeah, probably. Go for it. And he comes back later and he's telling you about how he just killed that 400 mil Sino ship in his 10 mil Thrasher. And he got, you know, enough loot to buy six more Thrashers. That's a great fucking story. And you love to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah, that sounds like a, a good good setup to have. Is it, it? I initially thought it sounded a little bit like Brave, but on a much smaller scale, a much, uh, not smaller, it's probably more, a bit more derogatory than I wanted it to sound, but a more personal scale it's more directly 
helping uh, the individuals, whereas Brave was just a big numbers game where you got chucked into a grinder. Yeah, I think while some people like to tout the system that Brave and Horde really have set up at this point, where they've got, you know, a quote-unquote content staging, where you go if you want the quote-unquote good fight, and the crab staging, I think that at the end of the day, that started to fall apart a little bit because people aren't incentivized to take any fight that might be difficult in the content staging. So what you'll see is you'll get there and the few guys who are gate camping or whatever will dock up and they were doing it in, you know, 200 kilometer sniper tengus or whatever. And then they undock far too many people and you don't realistically have a chance of fighting them and you have to leave. So then nobody got a fight and we wasted everybody's time. Yeah. I think that's just a uh, sad side effect of success almost. I was going to go down that same path. It's like, you know, you finally get what you were building. uh, And then, you know, there's, there's side effects. Like, you know, you want to build your empire and get a lot of space and buffer space and all that's great. Um, But it's hard to keep those war engines running in peacetime when things are chill and you don't have a lot of, like you said, incentive to really fight or take any risk anyway. Well, and that's, that's one of the nice things about being small, right? Is if we got evicted tomorrow, we lose a Fortisar and a couple of Athenors and Astrohuses, maybe like 30, 35 bill total. That's not a lot of cash for a group with as many people as we have. So we just say, all right, cool, and we move to somewhere else that has good content, and we do the exact same thing. I suppose you've, you've also got that sort of cultural cohesion where you, you don't just have everyone collapse and go, ah, oh, screw this, and don't want to be this, be here anymore because we just got a cool shit blown up. You've, you've still you've got it's, it's small enough where everyone almost knows everybody. Exactly. So there was one bit of news piece that I wanted to to talk to you about, uh, Murray, specifically, uh, this week we got the introduction of the frigate ejection bay or escape bay or whatever they're calling it on battleships. Does this intrigue mm-hmm. you at all? I wanted, I wanted to pick your brain on how, how the theory crafting synapses start to fire when you're given a tool like that. Honestly, I don't know how I'd use it. I think, you know, there's some like big fleet memes maybe where you drop logistics frigates or something, but in the kind of small fights where I would see like any frigate that's just sitting there with the main fleet's gonna die. And especially if you try dropping like kitsunes or something, like and I'm target calling, I'm just gonna say, kill the typhoon. Okay, now kill the kitsune, now we go on to the next typhoon. And like, did that kitsune really do anything? Not really. So I don't see it really having a big impact in fleet kind of engagements. Um, maybe in like very large scale ones, but again, I don't really know much about those. I think it'll be fun for small gang and stuff where if, you're ta- if you end up taking a few battleships out on a roam and one of them gets caught by a carrier or something and you manage to get the frigate off, that person can still, you know, come with you and do things and that'll be fun. Yeah, for those who may know what I'm talking about, uh, battleships now have a frigate escape bay. If you put a frigate, a T1 frigate or a T2 frigate, except interceptors and covert ops, right? No, you can't have interceptors or covert op frigates. But anything else, uh, when your ship, your battleship blows up, instead of ejecting at a pod, you will inject eject in that frigate. It's interesting. I, I think maybe like. Ram jags or some sort of heavy tackle popping out of those might be interesting for a small gang. Um, I saw Bjorn today. I don't know. like so He was struggling how to figure it out from a solo perspective, but he offered Rome's Nullsec in battleships, and he realized, well, you could buffer fit a battleship, which is sometimes not what you want to do when you go into unfriendly Nullsec because you'll have no way to repair the damage you took. But he put a Logi Frigate in there, we get into a fight. If he won, there'd be some armor damage. He flew off to a safe, ejected into his Logi frigate, repped his ship, jumped back in his ship, and continued to go. And I thought that was a very good use of that. Ooh, I like that. That's good. Especially because, yeah, no, that makes roaming in buffer armor or hull-tanked battleships like actually viable. 
because you no can same. actually have those reppers available. So after a fight and your whole tank dummy, you can go and not be a dummy with 20% structure. You can be a dummy with 100% as opposed to walking 20 jumps home. Makes life easier as well for the kind of people that wander around in rattlesnakes, jumping through wormholes, running sites, because now they've got a little, instead of having to drag around a uh, mobile depot, they know they've always got a pocket scanning ship of some sort. Yeah, that, that, that's true. And people criticize Bjorn at first, like, well, why don't you just bring a mobile depot and wrappers? Well, a mobile depot and wrappers take up space in your cargo that could be otherwise used for cap boosters, which is like your lifeblood a lot of times. So, yep. you know, having that utility tucked away in another bay is like huge for a solar roamer. And like you said, maybe exploration guys or maybe you want a wormhole dive in something and have a pocket scanning ship. Yeah, I know it's um, at least from what we've seen, it's, it's starting to be uh, useful as for rolling ships when you get caught out instead of having to find your way out and then drag a massive battleship that's not really worth anything but just really slow across so many jumps. You can just hop into your little mini ship, say, screw it, I'm leaving that there and uh, get home quick. True. True. A little pocket like, uh, you know, I'm done with this going home ship. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I've screwed up now, so let's go. Uh, you're running into the, the hour here. Murray, is there anything else you wanted to cover about yourself or brand new bros or the region that we didn't, that we didn't cover? Brand new bros is recruiting pilots of all sure, skill levels. Sure. So how, like PvP. <laughs> how do they find you? Do you have a discord is a in-game channel that you want to link in chat or anything like that? I'm sure that one of our CE, our CEO or one of our HR people can link it in the chat channel since they're already in the chat channel. I believe in them. Yeah. You, see, um, you seem to have... Yeah, no, we've uh, got a Discord. We've got a public chat and game. Brand new bros. It's pretty easy to find us. Uh, Here comes the recruitment spam. <laughs> see? What have you started? <laughs> it seems like you had quite the fan club today. Our numbers are a bit higher than, than normal, uh, which is good. Um but I appreciate the talk, but I did want to spend a few more minutes though. Like I wanted to try at the beginning of the show, talking to uh, my new host, Edmund Jean here, maybe just a little bit about yourself and, and what you do in the game so that people uh, can know you. Um, I run a tiny, mostly unknown Alliance in a C1 wormhole of all things. <laughs> it's a bit of an unusual one, but um, basically it's, uh, it was a project that was an attempt to take people that had been stuck in high sec mining, doing industry, doing like the, the real dull side of the world, um, and throw them into wormholes, but not in a necessarily super scary way, because uh, it's still low class, it's still relatively stable, still relatively quiet. Um, but that just, it's just about giving the people the first stepping stone to something that's slightly more interesting than uh, shooting railed spar in a high sick belt. But beyond that, I've mostly spent my time as a, a background nobody in, uh, I think I was briefly uh, part of Hero Coalition when that used to exist. Um, hey, now we're getting the details. <laughs> yeah, I used to be in an alliance called Sugar, um, which is long, long dead, um, which was yeah, part of the Hero Coalition. I used to live down in Catch, um, back when Brave owned that area. Um, spent most of the time being a financial guy, uh, running one of the uh, buyback systems. That was that was a good time. There was a number of, um, because Brave had quite an open door policy, there was a number of different groups running buyback systems. Um, and I, because I'm a software developer by profession, I built my own software that would compare, the, essentially hooked into ETHPraisal, got you your prices, and then it would compare to all of my competitors and tell you how much more money I'm giving you. So you should come to my shop instead. <laughs> Some of them got a bit upset out of that. But um, that, that took me to my first, uh, my first real bit of money when I was a new player. But That's after so the, I love that. <laughs> after, after Sugar collapsed, um, I can't remember, to be honest. It's been a long time. Just ended up roaming around near enough on my own, uh, briefly part of, I think BFG, who lived in some region beginning with P. 
up north somewhere that was not very long lived. I kept losing supers and got blown up all the time. And then uh, I think I just went went solo for a long time and decided um, this is getting a bit boring. Um, I had a new job and one of my colleagues was in was getting into Eve, um, so we started this sort of little wormhole project together. He's since stopped playing, to be fair, but um, yeah, the, the the little wormhole thing is going reasonably well. Um, the only thing is we're currently sat on our hands because we're waiting for these uh, big, scary uh, moon mineral changes, which is going to be major for us, seeing as we produce the majority of our stuff locally using local moons. And if the uh, changes take away the complete mineral balance, um, we're a bit in trouble in that sense. Yeah, that'll really mess you up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a big doo-doo. If that's, uh, we're going to find out on Tuesday, but it could, not not going to say the death of the Alliance already, but um, the completely refactoring what we what we do. Well, there's a balance there, I think. So what you're referring to is next Tuesday, presumably. I don't know if we've got that confirmed. But it, it's been confirmed this month, so any yeah, so, time from now until then. Right, and we're running out of Tuesdays, right? So sometime very soon a mineral rebalance patch is coming for the moons and specifically, right? So when you mine a moon, um, the rock that comes off the moon, when it pops, has a bunch of stuff in it. In there is the typical moon goo that you need for like T2 production, but that doesn't exist in wormhole space, right? What you get off there is ABC or? You get the ABCs, etc. You do get the full spectrum of all the ores, uh, depending on which moon you go for. But you, you do get the moon ore, but only the... Um... The very low down ones, the sylvite and that kind of thing, that's right. not really worth a whole lot of money. Um, and the the minerals isn't great. So the moon pops, you get moon goo, the specific material that comes off the moon, and you get an assortment of um, ore, the same kind of ore you'd find in belts, but they typically be the higher quality versions of those. Um, so it's a good source. I always saw it for a small group, and you could probably agree with me that mining a moon for the ore is sometimes better than you would do in an anom for a smaller group right it's not necessarily that's true but that's not necessarily why we did it we ended up going for a wormhole because we didn't want the constant threat when living in null that somebody's just going to drop a cap fleet on you and say uh, you know you can't live here anymore um of course that still can kind of happen in wormholes we're not probably shouldn't tell you this but we're not the most combat ready and combat a bit able group so any real scary threat would probably have an easy time getting rid of us um but it was somewhere where we could have a private ish space to uh do what we wanted to do and the the moons enabled us to have a schedule essentially we knew that on a saturday we're going to have a moon that provides these and these and these minerals and on a tuesday the next moon so that we could uh, start to learn and plan industry Right, so in this coming patch, that ore is going to be removed from the moon pop, so that all that's there is the moon goo itself, and you won't be able to to get that ore, which is a huge change. Um, they also did say, though, that when you refine moon goo, uh, part of the output is minerals, and that they were going to look at rebalancing how that works, how much of that is minerals. And I don't know if they're going to... Mm -hmm boost that a little bit to kind of offset the loss of the ore, or I'm not sure what's going to happen there. I will say one thing that for small groups at least is like, this is one of those changes that truly doesn't affect small groups in NullSec at all. Because if you're a small group in NullSec, you're not mining in works and subcap mining ore is actually not super duper profitable unless you know, it's going to be very, very safe usually better off ratting. So the only thing that's worth mining is usually the moon goo itself. So it actually doesn't affect us at all. It affects some of the work pilots who would sit on the moons and really enjoy that 15%, but we don't have any work pilots. So that doesn't actually negatively hurt us at all. Yeah, but some groups like, uh, like the wormhole groups and like even my group, we definitely hit the the moons for the ore a lot uh, because it's just easier. Like you said, you can schedule it and you know you're going to get this for this week and then this for that week and then the next day. So it helps um, streamline your production when you know the supply line, right? So now 
I agree with you that a small group can adapt now. I don't know how this affects wormholes, but for me, um, the, another change that they made is they drastically reduced the amount of ore that you find in the anomalies in Nullsec, right? Uh, but again, for a small group like me, I have enough space to just spread out. like So I can just take a hit squad of like a bunch of barges and just sweep the space, and I'm going to be okay. But um, these changes are definitely going to impact um, supply lines for ore and minerals to, to build ships. Well, that, that's their intention. And from the wording they've been using, it sounds like it's not just going to be a, a, a change, but more of a, a drop in, the I think, what do they call it? The scarcity step stage. They're, they're trying to remove some of the forces of not just cash, but um, materials as well. So uh, I have to admit, I'm a bit pessimistic of uh, the outlook for my current setup. Yeah, or you, you know, it, it, it's really targeted like the locust fleet, right? These massive swarms of groups of oracles that just eat ore all day from everywhere, right? Like that's really going to be difficult to do now because you can't sit your work down on something for hours anymore, right? You have to be a little bit more mobile, which is interesting. But the other thing I thought about was maybe salvaging becomes a thing again. Like you talked about ratting. If you have an alt or maybe even a new bro, we used to do this with new bros, just follow one of our ratters around and salvage all the wrecks and then reprocess that stuff and you get a good output of minerals from that. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that because that's really just an improvement to that source of income for new bros and salvaging is so low SP that anybody can get into it. Yeah, dude, you know, yeah, I just tell my new bro, here's your uh, catalyst with some salvages on it follow me for a couple hours and then make a few billion isk easily. So now if that's going to be buffed a little bit, and I think that's a good thing. I got something at the end of the show that is related to this too, but I'll hold that to our, our last segment. It's mining with guns as they call it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think I, anything else uh, that you guys have news related that you, that you wanted to mention, or I think that should, we should talk about a bit. That's a small, news thing that I don't think it's been spoken about very much because it's only really appeared today. Um, there's an incoming shield buff. The uh, All of the shield hardeners, including the adaptive, are getting a very mild, or well, depends on your point of view, a very mild buff. I think one of them is getting an increase of 2.5% in, in resists on the adaptive. And they're also getting a slight reduction in the um, CPU requirement. Well, this is all speculative because it's based off... Um, singularity but uh, yeah was there a cycle time impact to that too like a longer cycle time i think there was they've introduced they're introducing i should say potentially another um module because it was a bit odd that all the different items had four or five like you have a limited and an enduring and a compact um variant of each item whereas shield hardness never seemed to have that they just had the tech one a limited and a tech two so then now adding an enduring version. Yeah, that sounds like tier aside. Yeah, yeah, it's tier aside with a buff sort of snuck in at the same time. I was not under the impression that shields needed a buff, but I well, guess I think they're it'll playing be interesting. With the invuls, because newts are super powerful against shield boats right now. So like I was hearing that maybe uh, the longer cycle time made them less cap intensive. Uh, you could keep them online even under heavy newt pressure. I don't know. Uh, certainly it does need a tier side though because there's not a whole lot of option when it comes to invulnerability fields. They all kind of do the same thing and are close to good. Other than when, mm -hmm. when you get up to like dead space items are vastly superior, but like the normal range is not a whole lot of option there. Yeah, there's not a lot of uh, variation in There's there's like 10 maybe more different ad adaptive invulnerabilities but the actual difference between them is near enough nothing all right if there's nothing else just a couple of announcements and um you know we always like to highlight some of the eve meets that are coming up because we like to promote that on the show because it's a really fantastic way to get into the community and i, I talk about it a lot with people who are debating and going uh, I'm a long-time gamer. I played Trade Wars back in the day, which is basically EVE Online with text space. Um, and I had a bad experience at a game meet once, and it, and it sort of... But that was a long time ago, prior to comms and, like, regular 
all the all the things that keep you from being really anonymous these days. So I hesitated going to my first fan fest because of that. But then when I went, it was awesome. I loved meeting all my guys and all the different players. So there are Eve meets coming up. I just hope that we can have them in amidst the COVID-19 crisis that's going on globally. But keep in mind, uh, you have Eve New Orleans that is scheduled for May 22nd. Um, Eve North, which was... Uh, in Toronto last year, I believe it's going to be in the Niagara region, the Canada side of Niagara, uh, scheduled for June 26th. Eve Northeast, not to be confused with Eve North, is the camping trip kind of thing, the outdoors one on August 7th. And then Eve Vegas, which is now a player-run event on October 23rd. I really do hope that we the world gets past um, these. I don't know the status on any of them. I, I'll try to find out for the next show to see if any of them have been canceled or or rescheduled, but keep them on your radar. And if it's safe to go, I, I would highly recommend it. Uh, and the last bit that we like to do on the show, and it's it's my boss Artemis's will that we keep this going, is we like to have a segment called uh, Something You May Not Know About Eve Online that both the hosts and the guests sort of weigh in on. Um, and since we have a, a new host, I'm going to throw it to you first, Edmund. Is there something that oh, you'd crap. like to share? About EVE Online that people may not know, whether it be mechanic, lore, anything like that? I think you're going to have to go first. Give me a second to think of one. I've got a few potential yeah. ones. Okay. How about you, Murray? You got anything you'd like to tell people uh, that they may not know about EVE Online? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I'd have to think about it a little bit too. But uh, what's a good one? Um. Actually, I learned this uh, relatively recently, and so did many other experienced players. If there is a POS stick that is offline, you cannot light a Sino within 30, 40 kilometers of it, something like that. And uh, hmm. someone tried to kill my bashing Lashak with a Sino ship, Black Ops, one of the test guys, and... Uh, it went poorly for them because they couldn't light the Kovop Sino, so my Lashak just did 3,000 DPS to them instead, and they died. Interesting. I did not know that, actually. I could tell you an interesting one about pauses, um, a more historical one. Um, sorry, I've got my little friend Boris here. He's being oh, really loud in the corner. There. He was being really, really loud, so I had to pick him up. Um, so there used to be an exploit with pauses where uh, essentially it was caused by when you inject a skill, so the skill book, this is way back in the day before, we're not talking about injectors, but when you add a skill book so you can later train it, um, that essentially sent a network command that said, inject into my head item ID, and then the would be the ID, the ID of the skill book itself. And what you could do is you could tell the game to inject the item id of the pos shield which would as far as the game's concerned inject the pos shield into your head which would cause it to disappear and uh now you've got free reign to steal whatever you want <laughs> well, that's one of them i did not know about either it's quite I a few interesting old exploits anymore, but... <laughs> no no long gone <laughs> um but there's, there's quite a few interesting old exploits not that i took advantage of them i've just spoken to some people that um Dealt with fixing them. All right. So mine uh, goes back to the incoming or, or ongoing resource scarcity, uh, scarcity that's being introduced by CCP. Um, ratting anom, specific, specifically havens, gas havens, have huge rocks in them that you can mine and that are still there. So, like, if you have a ratting ship, go into a gas haven and then, like, you go in with them and then they, the ratting ship kills all the rats and you stay there so that the site remains spawned, you can mine those rocks. And it's actually a very good source if you want to sit there and chew on them for a long time. Um, I'm sure that will be patched out now that I said it, but there are big rocks out there still. Complaining about that for weeks or highlighting it for weeks, it's nothing new. The Troglavian sites are an interesting source of ore, but not necessarily for... Um... The big null blocks, but they they have this new. Uh, I can't remember any of the names of them to be honest, but they have some unusual ores of their own. There's a few downsides in that there uh, there's no refining skill which boosts them, and there's no 
uh, you can't compress them. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what's coming with uh, with all of this. Uh, any final comments before we wrap this, up the show? I already got my recruiting pitch in, so I'm good to go. All right. All right, guys, that'll do it uh, this week for the midweek show. Please uh, make sure to stop by TIS Discord. We always have interesting things going on in chat. Public voices always hop in. A lot of CCPers go on. You'll find me and, and Edmund in there quite a lot. Um Make sure you catch our Sunday show and Madrill runs his daily uh, news segments. All great information. Um, but for now, that's it. And I'll see you in space.